Hello, Connected Parents, and welcome to another episode of Connected Parenting. Today, I want to talk about how to help your child to be a leader, not a follower. Um, All parents want their children to have good social health. And good social health and healthy, balanced friendships are really protective and help your child in every single area, even academics. So in this episode, I'm going to focus on what do you do if your child is struggling, if your child is a follower, or if your child does not have healthy friendships and is not making good choices, and if they are doing really well socially, how to keep them doing well socially. Hi, everyone. I'm Jennifer Colary. I'm a child and family therapist and a parenting coach and the founder of Connected Parenting. And welcome to the Connected Parenting Weekly Podcast. Join me every week. And we'll tackle everything from temper tantrums to bedtime to sibling issues to teenage angst. Parenting can be so wonderful, but it can be so hard. Parents often say to me, hey, can you just come live at my house? This is the next best thing. Let's do this together. Social health is a really complex issue. It's not a simple issue, and it depends on many factors. So you've got temperament, you've got family dynamics, often sibling issues and sibling uh, dynamics can affect social health. You know, if your child has ADHD or if they're on the spectrum or they have learning disabilities, they're extremely shy, um, even if your child is gifted, they may have some, some struggles socially. Um, one of the other areas that really impacts children's social health is modeling and family values. So really the only area where we have, I guess there's two areas where we can have an impact on our child's uh, social health. One is family dynamics and sibling issues. So I want to speak about sibling issues for a moment. Um, It really is normal for siblings to fight, for siblings to argue. That is how they figure out how to do life, how to practice being heard and when to listen and when to be assertive. And that's all usually done from bumping up against each other. So it is normal for siblings to fight. What you want is you want that to sort of be in the green to yellow area um, and not the red area. So the red light would be, you know, fighting all the time, really can't do anything together. If they're with each other for half a second, they're at each other. That's not healthy. Um, but it's, it's interesting because if you look at sibling relationships in movies and TV shows, you know, it's really common to see siblings being really nasty to each other, especially older siblings being really nasty to younger siblings. Uh, that certainly was, um, a theme in in shows when I was little, and it really still is, there seems to be this acceptance that you can treat your sibling in a way that you can't treat someone at school or a friend that you'd get in really big trouble for some of the things that you do or your child would do with a sibling. And so we have sort of different um, expectations. So the first thing I would suggest is really, if your child would get in trouble for doing that thing at school, there should be a consequence at home. There should not be, you know, different allowances for behaviors with a sibling. You should really take it just as seriously as you do at school. That's really important. Um, I think, remember too, that kids are always watching us. We're always teaching. We're always modeling. So how we speak about others, how we feel about ourselves in relation to others is really important. You know, how do you talk about people on TV or how do you, you know, you judge people that cut you off in traffic? Kids are learning all the time. And we really want to be modeling empathy and the big picture. So here's an example of some really good modeling. Let's say you're in traffic, somebody cuts you off instead of, oh, what an idiot. And, you know, calling them names and getting really angry, which we certainly feel like doing. um, We can model something very different. We can certainly talk about how frustrating that is, And when people don't follow the rules, it makes it really hard for everyone else. Um, But 
exploring other reasons why someone could be in a hurry, like involve your kids in what else could be going on? What else do you think is happening? What are some other reasons why that person might be hurrying and get your kids to talk about that? You know, maybe they're late for an appointment. Maybe it's, you know, a job interview, maybe someone's sick and at the hospital, or, you know, there's lots of, of reasons why people behave in a certain way. And if you keep kids exercising all the different possibilities, I call it the eagle eye view, you're actually modeling um, kind of nuanced, higher, higher order thinking, and you're modeling empathy, which is really important. The other area where we have an influence on our kids is integrity. So we can help our kids to really think about whether they're in their integrity or out of their integrity. And so what you teach them is when they're doing something that isn't nice, when they're saying something that's mean, when they're leaving someone out, when they really should make a better choice or when they're buying off a friend with a promise or candy or something like that, in their stomach, there will be a pit. There'll be a heavy little feeling of just, I don't know how to describe it, just like a rock in your stomach. And for a lot of us, we ignore that feeling or we think if we continue on with the behavior that we're choosing, that's what's gonna make that terrible feeling in the stomach go away. But you wanna teach your children, that feeling is an indicator. That's like their GPS system. That feeling gets more intense when they're about to make a choice that is out of alignment with their integrity, with, if it doesn't fit with what they really know about themselves. And you can think about yourself, this yourself. If you're, I don't know, out for lunch with somebody and they're gossiping about someone and you know, gossip can be a little bit fun. And I don't know, there's a little bit of um, an attraction to it, but when you're doing it, you just feel kind of gross. Sometimes you can move through it and ignore it or tell yourself it's funny, but there's a little feeling in there that just isn't right. And if you listen to that feeling, that's an indicator. That's going to tell you whether you're off the road or on the road and really modeling that for your kids, talking about that pit in your stomach, talk about that feeling of being out of integrity as a really important way to help them navigate and get back to the feeling where they're making a good, good choice. And when they do something that is better for them, that is the right thing to do or the fair thing to do or the kind thing to do, um, that feeling is going to go away. And the more they learn to rely on that feeling and maneuver that feeling, um, the better they're going to get at this. And then you can literally just say to them, hmm, what do you think about that? Were you in, in your integrity when you did that or said that or out? And you'll see your child will really develop that skill. The other thing that's really helpful here is scripting. So, you know, if a kid says, I don't know, they did something at school and they didn't feel good about it, but they thought their friends were going to be mad um, next time or in the future, or just if it hasn't happened yet, you can have them think about things that they could say. So I love you, love being your friend, or I like being your friend, but you know what? I'm not cool with that. So I'll, I'll, and I'll see you later. I'm just, I'm not interested in doing that. Like just give them four or five ways to say something, or I don't know, let's think about this. If you, if you're invited to something and you really, really don't want to go, it's an event that just doesn't feel lined up with what you want or who you are or what you enjoy. You know, sometimes we make excuses or we say we have other plans or what, but that feeling in our stomach doesn't really go away. What makes that feeling go away is directly answering that question or that request using your integrity. So it would be something like, thank you so much for thinking of me. I really appreciate you inviting me, but I actually have other plans that night. Or 
Um, I really planned on a night to just stay home, but thank you so much. Like sometimes having a script in advance and helping your kids with variations on that script can really help because in the moment when they're feeling pressured, when they're worried about, you know, letting somebody down or getting left out or whatever, um, if they have two or three things ready to say, and you can act it out, if they're really little, you can act it out or you can act it out with toys. If they're teenagers, you can just talk about it and practice it. Um, but that really, really helps kids because then they don't have to think about exactly what to say. They've got something stored away in their long-term memory already. The other thing that really helps here is connection. I mean, I say this all the time, but it's so important using the calm technique, entering conversations, you know, trying to understand versus being understood is really important. And this is unrelated to friendship. This is just how you talk to your child, you know, really connecting with them. Go back to the first, you know, one or two episodes of the podcast for a refresher on the calm technique. But the more your kids feel loved and listened to and understood, the more confident they are. It sort of builds them up from the inside out. It kind of gives them this amazing invisible shield so that won't, they won't be drawn to negative things or they'll be less likely to be drawn to them or they'll be more likely to tune into that feeling of being in their integrity. Uh, they'll just get a little bit of a thicker skin. And I think that's a really, really important thing for kids. You know, it's interesting. I often will get families that call and they want their child to have help with social skills. And the way we always begin when we go on a journey helping parents with their kids is we work with the parents first, always. We, even if, if they're calling for individual, we really, I really think it's important to transfer skills to the parent, like therapeutic skills to the parent. Nobody's better at being the therapist than the parent. And so once they've done a few sessions, really getting through the connected parenting method, a lot of the time, if not most of the time, social skills improve. Their child is just having an easier time socially at school, um, or they're getting along better with their siblings. And it, it's kind of a, a superpower that you really can strengthen your child from the inside out. Here's another thing that's important to remember. All kids need to learn socially by making mistakes. They're going to make poor choices, or they're going to end up doing something they wish they didn't do, or they're going to leave somebody out and feel bad about it. So instead of going right to shaming them and you know better and how terrible it would feel if, you know, if you did that, you can gently get to that later if you feel like you need to, not the shaming, but the discussion about what happened. But first, have an understanding that that's how they're figuring it out. They're going to bump up against these guardrails a little bit. And the only way they can learn to make better choices is with healthy shame. So I did another podcast on this, actually. There's healthy shame which is, ooh, that wasn't very nice of me. I made my friend feel bad or that felt terrible. I didn't really feel like, you know, whatever, or doing whatever, or putting toilet paper on that tree on that lawn or whatever it is. Um, that didn't feel right to me. And that feeling is like a guidepost. It just gently guides you back to, mm, I don't want to feel that way again. I'm out of harmony with my, with my community or with my people or with my friends or with myself. And that didn't feel good. Toxic shame is, you know, feeling so awful that you're like punishing yourself and angry with yourself and calling yourself names. That's that, that kind of shame is terrible, but healthy shame is something that it's, it's okay to let your children feel. That's actually how they learn. Um, so don't panic if your kids, you know, make some of these choices or they're following a little bit. It's, it's really guiding them to pay attention to that feeling that helps them get back to their alignment, to that center that really helps them. 
I think it's also important to make empathy part of your family values, like really make that a part of who you are as a family and talk about it. You know, when you see people on the street or there are other things you know, happening around you, instead of rushing right to judgment, really model empathy. I think that's something that's sort of a lifelong thing. And it's important to incorporate into the whole kind of family culture, really. So this is a really important thing to remember. Happy, healthy, connected kids don't need to follow others and they don't need to be mean to anybody. Good social health um, is one of those pillars in life that really sets kids up for success and for happiness and really helps them in all areas of their life. So think about pulling this into your family culture. Think about having this conversation about integrity. So thank you very much for listening today. I really appreciate knowing you're all out there. Don't forget to go to connectedparenting.com to find out about all our services, our team, our online courses, my books. We have all kinds of services and options for you on your parenting journey. And I look forward to seeing you next time on the next episode of Connected Parenting.